What's going on, everybody? It's Patrick Jang here with the Parallax, and today we have a special guest. We're going to have Star Lordy, who is the CEO of OniForce, and as you know, OniForce is making a major comeback into the NFT scene. So, Star Lordy, man, how you doing? What's up? I'm excellent. I am very happy and honored to be here. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've actually uh, checked out your podcast before, so mm -hmm. I thought it was cool and uh, to be on here. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. And so, you know, a lot of people who are already in the NFT space, they might already know OniForce, but for people who are maybe new to the project or maybe, you know, they're entering the space and they, you know, weren't like an OG or anything, like, can you mm -hmm. explain like real quick, like what, what is OniForce? Uh, OniForce is like the first anime PFP project. It actually brought anime, uh, the anime meta into the space. It was also the first sideways PFP, as far as I know. Um, and, uh, you know, had other innovations like uh, created the, uh, well, it's called the whitelist at the time, but now mm. it's the allow list, I guess. And yeah. um, other things, but I guess the main claim to fame is that it's the first anime PFP project. And it's basically 7,777 characters that have mm. like a, kind of a mix of, of Eastern and some Western influences. Um, very unique collection. And, mm -hmm. you know, currently we're a project that is geared towards you know art and storytelling that's gotcha that's way to okay put it. yeah, yeah that, that, that's a good summary now you know when it comes to projects right the first thing that i always look for is like who's the leadership or who are the people behind it because that's probably the most important right um so like for you specifically like you know when did you get into like nfts and everything i got into nfts they got on my radar like around like um march or april of 2021 and um, I totally believed in it immediately once I learned how smart contracts work because I was actually really more, um, what clicked for me is I realized like, oh, like I'm really into artist rights. And so like, I was like, oh, like this is like the tool that we've been waiting for all our lives, you know? And so like, I kind of saw it as this tool for a revolution, but then, you know, I have my own stuff happening. Like I run a commercial production company and, you know, uh, since we're just coming out of the pandemic, like I was having all this work come in and I was like, oh, you know what? Like I'll go do my thing and I'll come back and check in on NFTs and see how they're doing. And so like over like the next four months or five months, like it exploded and like I came back and like the whole thing had changed and all these people were like rich and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, I was like, I was like, this is a space that you're either in it or you're not in it. So I just like from that moment, I just like went all in and just kind of gave up what I call my past life. So I could really learn about, you know, Web3 and, and just <laughs> just go native, I guess, as they say. Yeah, and <laughs> go native. And uh, real quick, like you said you do um, commercial production before. Mm -hmm. Like, what, yeah. what, what is that exactly? Um, so I do like a lot of uh, what they call service production. So I do like TV commercials, produce uh, stuff for agencies. I've done work for like Nike and Samsung and Kia mm -hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. And um, basically just make TV commercials. Um, gotcha. Yeah. That's on top of like filmmaking and other like storytelling stuff. But that was like really my bread and butter for a long time. Yeah. Gotcha. And then would, are you like also an artist or like director or like, yeah. like how do you see yourself? Um, uh, thank you for asking that. You're the first person to ask that. I think, uh, you know, I started off as a kid. I wanted to be a comic book artist. That was my first dream, actually. Um, 
ended up going into film, fell in love with film very early. And I was a filmmaker. I really defined myself as a filmmaker, like all my life. And then um, the only reason why I started a production company is because I really want to stay in the Bay Area. And I realized I would have to just make my own company if I want to survive because, you know, it's pretty hard to survive as a filmmaker otherwise. So that's how I got into the commercial side. But I've always considered myself an artist, always had an artist's heart. And um, and now I get to, I mean, deal with art like every day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a ni- nice little transition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then when um, like bringing it to like, uh, so you, you see the NFT scene popping off. Um, you're into the art thing, right? And so I guess like, w- when was your first exposure to Oniforce? You know, it's funny. One of my friends, shout out Joe, um, one of shout my out. best friends. Uh, <laughs> he He's a total DJ. <laughs> and so like, I just asked him one day, I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I got into NFTs. And, um, and then he, I was like, what projects do you like? And then he showed me Oniforce. And uh, that was actually a really big moment because up till then, I'd never thought the art for PFP projects were that great. And so when I saw Oni Force, I was like, whoa, I was like, okay, this is awesome. Like I fell in love immediately. I thought it was like the best art. And so it made me realize that PFP projects could also have great art. And, um, you know, I ended up meeting some of the team through my boy, William, William Tong, shout out. And then um, uh, that's how I got exposure to Oni Force directly. Yeah. Yeah, cool question on that. So when you saw the Oni Force art, like what about it did you like feel like, oh, wow, this is like so sick? I think uh, that's that's a good question because I, I study art. I've studied for a long time and I, I used to run an art site, an art blog with friends. And so I've looked at like literally thousands of people's art. And I think what Oni Force art, what stands out about it, and this is just me as like an art fan of art, right? Like not as part of Oni Force. It's, it's very clean. It's very iconic. Like if you really like zoom in, like if you actually click on a high res image and zoom in, like you could see like how precise the lines are and how like the shading is very tasteful. And like, there's just something about it that it has its own personality. And like, I kind of think of I Am Complex the Artist as like the Tarantino of like PFP artists because like a lot of people tried to imitate him but nobody could, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you were to line up like a dozen PFP, anime PFPs, a lot of them would look so similar that you can't actually tell which project is which if you didn't know the projects, but Oniforce would always stand out like as having its own style. So it has like that kind of, um, like it might be a taste, a specific taste for people, but it has like that kind of indescribable it factor when you look at it like something about it. it's like the way he blends the sensibilities um from different cultures into his art i think it it turns into again why i think he's like a tarantino is like it it turns into this new thing that you've never seen before and frankly we still haven't seen it like literally like i i could objectively speaking like i would challenge anybody to go find another pfp project that looks like oni force like she's very unique the color palette yeah. as well right yeah, the color palettes are interesting. You know what? Here's the thing I'll say. I think this is important. Is um, Great artists are great because of the philosophy that they live by. Like a great artist is sharing the way that they look at the world with you. And so great artists, like even if you don't understand what went into it or, or what the meaning was, like 
if there's enough deep thought, like you can, like it comes across, like you just sense it. Like why is a Scorsese movie so much more amazing than a regular gangster movie? It's because he thinks so deeply about the art form, about the meaning behind things and like all those little things. And I think I Am Complex brings that to the art where it's like, yeah, you don't know where it came from and you kind of get a sense, but like you get a sense that you'll probably like the same animes and video games that he does. But like, again, like it's like his taste. So I think that's why the art is is very unique. Okay, I got you. So then mm-hmm. you saw the art and then did you just like mint it? Or you you bought into it on secondary? Like No, oh. dude, I I discovered when it was at the peak. So it was like too rich for my blood. I was like, I'm not <laughs> spending seven ETH on this thing. <laughs> like, yeah, like, ETH was a lot sorry. back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was Fair like, enough. I would love the art, but I'll just be a fan from far, you know? And yeah. uh, But because I, I met some of the team early on, I... Uh, got a chance to like party with them to hang out and get to know them and um i actually produced like their little san diego comic-con video when they went to comic-con and i just had somebody go out there and you know shoot and stuff like that and um so i've always been like a fan and a supporter even when i wasn't a holder so that's why i i definitely understand like our fans very very well you know yeah got you and then from there did you like become did you help them out with like certain things besides doing the the shoot and everything or (laughs) that's a funny story yeah i i would i would help them with like a little bit of stuff not too much it was just like i helped them because i knew that they didn't have somebody to do it at the time and then um i was having lunch with will and and jr and the same friend my boy joe who had showed me only force i had asked him because i never followed what was going on like the behind the scenes like i literally only knew them from partying like like I didn't know like the project was having trouble. And so I saw my friend Joe and I was just like, Oh, I was like, I met the only force guys. I was like all excited to tell him, you know, I was like, Oh my God. And then, and then he's like, ah, he's like, ah. and I was like, Oh, what, what's going on? He's like, I don't know, man, it doesn't look good. And then, and then, so I heard, you know, I kind of understood there were some rumblings. And so when I was having lunch with them, I just offered to, uh, to help. I was just like, yo, like, if you need help, let me know in my mind, I thought I was just going to be like a volunteer on the weekend or maybe help them with some marketing or stuff. And then Will uh, comes back to me. He's like, well, actually, can you just manage the project? Like the whole thing? Like just like straight (laughs) up? (laughs) I was like from weekend volunteer to like managing the whole thing. And I was like, I ended up deciding, yeah, I could. I I mean, I knew I could do it, but I just, you know. Well, when did that start actually? That was in January, late January of 2022. So I've been officially pretty much since February of 2022 uh, was first the project manager and then CEO once we incorporated. Got you. Okay. So then let's, let's keep it back at the February 2022, right? So they asked you to project manage and run the project. And then like from there, <laughs> like, like what's going on? You know what I mean? Because oh we're God. all looking at Force. We're like, <laughs> are they doing anything or, you know what I mean? Yeah, from the outside must have been crazy. I think, um, look, I didn't know any of the drama. And it took me a long time to learn it because uh, I don't really care about drama. I'm not a I don't like drama. And so I never wanted to be the person to ask. Like, all I knew is that when I came in, the community was very upset. Um, There was a lot of toxicity because a lot of people had lost a lot of money, if you think about it, right? To go from like 7 ETH to like 0.2 or something like that is like pretty... I mean, you could imagine how bad that is. And so I went in there and the analogy I like to use, which my community has heard is like, it's like, I, I thought I was going to help tidy somebody's house up, 
And then I show up and they open the door and like the whole thing's on fire on the inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're just like, oh, okay, we're leaving. Like put it out and we'll be back or something. And so like they needed some support mentally because they were also beat up because you could imagine how hard that would be. Yeah. And so the pressure and so they needed a mental break. So when I came and it was like, okay, you guys go like heal and then I'll just fix things, you know? And so, so yeah, it was much more than what I had initially signed up for. But um, I think very quickly uh, I realized that the community was actually very special that they, um, they were sticking around and they were angry because they believed in the potential, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's so I'd say behind the scenes, like, it's like, they were the right team to launch the project because they did a great job with launch. I mean, it's hard to launch a brand like that, right? Like, yeah, it's hard yeah, to yeah. It, it was a hit so, at that time. Yeah, yeah. It was a huge hit. And so they did a great job there and there. And I think they recognized that they were not the right team to continue. So that's why they brought me on. That's why we ended up exiting, you know, and I think. Um, but for me, it was like I went in like Bambi, like a like just like I'm here to help. And then like, you know, I was like, you know, like just like getting punched in the face and then like getting just eventually going native, you know, like just and, you know, like full face pain and everything. <laughs> I'm just like in the jungle, like just trying to survive, you know, and uh, I don't know. It was wild, man. Like it's, it's, it's hard to explain and I'm still processing it to be honest. <laughs> got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess you start helping them out with some things and then from there, do you start looking for like external partners? Cause like, there's a the huge announcement that, you know, you guys got investment and acquired and everything. So like, like what was that process like from like coming in, uh, being like, okay, this is like a lot different than I thought it would be to transitioning to like, oh, like, how do we build like a business out of this? You know? Oh, that's a great question. I think I was lucky enough to have a, a pretty, especially because they were taking space for a little bit. Like I had an opportunity to really put my um, own philosophy towards developing the project. And for me, I've always seen NFTs in general, the space, the way it operates as Clearly, you know, based on Ponzi-nomics and all sorts of things that are not sustainable. So I actually always knew a bubble was going to burst. It probably burst a little sooner than I thought. But um, the point is, I came in there knowing that it's like, if you don't know how to operate a real business and like actually generate revenue from, you know, outside sources, um, you're probably not going to make it. So I think we just stripped down all the promises that were like not feasible and then just focus on the product that we could deliver within the budget we had. And then from there, um, it was like planting the seeds to do stuff. But I think it was a little tough to figure out, to be honest. And so like what, what I just told everybody is like, what we got to do is just focus on the community we have, like whoever's here still, all we care about is like making them happy. Like if you're still here, like all we're going to care about is like how we communicate to you, how we give you what you want and how we like hear you. And I think ignoring the rest of the world was like a key, like business strategy, actually, if that makes sense, you know, because that like, if you think about it, like when other people started hearing about us or coming back, it's like they're hearing positive things now. Right. Because like the community is like, experiencing different things that are more positive and so i think that's what's led actually to where we're at right now is like this comeback story that took like a year to build up to right because like first we had to make the internal community happy and then that is what spreads out to everybody else you know 
Got you, got you. And then when you say like make the internal community happy, right? Those are the holders. So like what like what do you need to do to make them happy? Is it that you just they need to feel heard or like yeah. just, Oh, you tell me actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's literally what I learned is the human psychology is like I realized like our deepest desire is to be seen and to be heard. Hmm. Um that's like a fundamental like human need is mm-hmm. to be seen and to be heard and even more so in the social media era and so you know like when a community member is like upset at you and they're like taking out their frustration on you um instead of like treating it like it's um a problem it's like just look for like the actual message that they have behind it it's like they're they're trying to express something else you know and i think learning to hear people clearly and then respond to them in a way where like we incorporate their feedback into what we do is what started building trust over time. Like, because that is being seen and heard is like, is um, truly getting to a point where you understand how, how they're seeing things from their perspective and like Mm -hmm. why, like what they're actually saying when they're talking to you. And I think if you could decipher that really well, Mm. um, then you make better decisions on how to um, respond, you know? I see. So, so from your experience and, and like listening to your community, especially during the darker times, right? Like, what did you identify that like, okay, like this is what they want to see. This is what I need to do. Was it just like, Hey guys, we're actually trying, or is it like, you know, I'm personally curious. I think what it is, is here's the thing is having founders that fail you is almost, especially like, cause this place is built on like promises and shit like that. And so people not fulfilling their promises, is it's like a betrayal, right? It's kind of like, I realize it's like in a relationship, it's like if somebody cheated on someone, like if they're really trying to fix things, like that person who did the other one wrong, like has to try even harder to be like extra transparent and extra honest and like extra like communicative. And I think like the first thing that we did was just be honest, like about what went wrong and like what the mistakes were overall. Um, Like be honest about what we could deliver and not like they had this crazy roadmap, like with the metaverse and stuff. And I was like, well, we're not doing a metaverse. Like, so like when I came in, I was like, let's just promise like reset and do what we can do. So we only promised like the frames and the comic book and we delivered those. So I think that set up trust where it's like, okay, this new guy came in, he said, this is what we're going to do. He did it. And then you just kind of keep doing that. I mean, yeah, you just keep make living up to your words and be careful what you say. And um, I mean, that's a joke kind of because I also like say a lot of things that we want to do and, and the community can take it as promises sometimes. But our community is pretty good. I think they're pretty good about like being realistic about what we what what is ex- like reasonable, you know? Yeah, yeah. What do, what do you think about this idea? Something I personally been thinking about. So for <laughs> NFT projects, it's kind of like, you know, doing things and having attention is is very important right Mm -hmm. so i came to the conclusion that it's not so much what the end end product is it's more like the journey of going somewhere that people want to ride on (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so true dude like i think um because everybody here's the thing man this is all brand new so we're all making it up as we go along right so like even like the holders like trading and stuff like market wars marketplace wars going on it's like everybody's just going for a ride like it's this crazy like west world ride and we're just all on it and so like we don't know how it's going to end but we just kind of feel like as long as we're doing something it's going to like end positively potentially and so i think right now we're just going on that ride so you're right like people just want to 
you know, here's the thing is it comes down to this, like a relationship between a team and a community is like, I feel like if the community feels like you are genuinely trying and you are genuinely like having their best interests in mind while you're trying to do stuff, they're like pretty forgiving, you know, like they'll let you like make mistakes and stuff. I think it's more when projects start failing and then they don't communicate or like they try to cover things up or, you know, act like everything's okay when it's not okay. I think that's when the community starts getting upset because now that the ride's not very fun, you know, <laughs> like they don't trust it. You know, it's like getting on a roller coaster that is made of like, you know, staples and, and paper or something. You're like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen? <laughs> like you just don't trust it anymore. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that's a good theory. Yeah, I mean, we see how it plays out, right? Like, I mean, in the next year, a lot of things will happen. Um, okay, so, <laughs> okay, so now you're doing things, you did the frames and all that stuff, right? Which is great, right? You, you know, do the things that you mm -hmm. promise. Uh, I'm a big mm -hmm. believer in that. Now, I guess for you guys, you guys um, are were acquired, right? Or like, you, mm -hmm. you, you tell me like w what that process was like. You know, like, uh, well, I think the founders knew that they wanted to sell pretty early. Part of my job was to, along with William is to find uh potential buyers keep the project going i mean there was a diff it was kind of difficult because like on one hand we didn't know if we would find a buyer so it's like part of me i have to operate the business as if we're going to operate a forever company you know and then the other parts like okay we gotta like kind of not overdevelop because we might commit things that we shouldn't and find a buyer and so it was like this weird balancing act and so they real honestly like around may or something like i did a lot of research in other people's discords and i realized that the conversation around the founders had basically metastasized where it's like i was like yo like you guys aren't coming back from this like you know like they're they're not there's no way you could hold on to this project because like there's not enough confidence in what happened like people will never trust you you know for this project i think they could go on and you know do other things but um uh and so when i realized that i really pushed for a sale but i don't think it was a hard push i think they were all like going for it anyways and um you know to their credit they held out for a long time because when i first came on i interviewed all of them and they all said the same thing which is that they do want this project to succeed like they do care about um the community even if the community doesn't think so but like they do actually care about like the project ending up like fulfilling its potential because they know it's like this beautiful baby that has all this potential. And so they really held out for somebody who um, was the right fit, somebody who understood the brand and had the ability and the vision and the resources, all that stuff. And people would come around and kick the tires. And some people made like ridiculously like insulting offers to buy it and things like that. And we just held out until we got a good group of people that had the resources and the vision or interesting vision. So we came, it came down to about four serious buyers. And so what we did was I wanted it to go to a buyer that had approached us that genuinely liked the project, right? Like it was people who knew about us, they would have to know about us and they would have to know like why we're potentially valuable. So like once we got to those four, we cut that round so that even when people found out that we were open for being acquiring, we did not allow like other people to come in so that it was kind of a fair competition between the original four, like best four choices. Yeah, exactly. Like the ones that demonstrate the values that we care about, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of people that once they heard it was up for grabs, they were just like, kind of like, just want to throw money at it, you know, stuff like that. And so we had a good bunch. And then we 
walked everybody through the same bid process where everybody basically um, created a presentation. Uh, they shared the presentation with the team, the, the board members. Um, you know, we went through multiple rounds of, of kind of hearing people out. And then they ended up voting and just selecting um, the group that we went with, which is OFR. I mean, they ended up picking, I think, the best uh, option out of out of in that situation based on vision and resources and and vibe, if that makes sense. Like they were just like obviously a good fit, I think. So and it you know it wasn't even like that painful. I think it was kind of it just made sense, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So then, when when they want to acquire you guys. I mean, I guess like what's what's their thinking? Is it that, you know, instead of starting their own project, they already have like this IP that everybody knows and that's like the kind of the play? I think so. I think, um, you know, starting your own project is very difficult because as we've seen, even people with great resources and all that stuff, it's like, it is hard to have like an actual, like a real hit, you know? Like I think Oniforce, it did well enough upon launch that it has a legit blue chip like pedigree. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was like considered the next Bored Apes at the time. Yeah, like, at the time was, for sure. Yeah. I mean, dude, you got like Steve Oki, Logan Paul, like you have like crazy purchase. I mean, it was it was one of the top projects. And yeah, so I think I remember, you know, if you think about it logically, it's like if you're trying to acquire a project like that, there was like no other options either because <laughs> Pudgy got picked up by Luca. So it's like we were literally the last ones left where people would be like, Oh, like that one could have a comeback someday, you know, because it, it did have like this potential. And so I think they took a look at us and then because of our pedigree and history, it was like kind of like a good choice. And then because of their history and resources, it was like a good fit. And, and then also I just think like, you know, like for instance, way he's like actually a fan of the art. Like he says how like it just grabbed him. Like there's something about it, you know, like, and, and, and I think it, I think Only Force like kind of gives you like the ability to imagine it turning into something else, like something bigger, and and so, um, so yeah, they just they just kind of like locked in on it, and I think um, starting a project is difficult, especially if you think about it. Like this happened all during like a pretty bad bear market, <laughs> so you know it's like um, there were there. I don't think there was a lot of other options, and yeah, um, yeah, so. Okay, makes sense. It was, and then, it was probably the obvious play. Gotcha. <laughs> and, then, and then what I'm curious to know is like um, when you guys were acquired, right? That obviously comes with uh, additional resources to build up the team and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Did did that also come with like the treasury from the, the you know, OniForce before? Or is it like um, it's like I something mean, fresh? Yeah, like... I mean, basically what happened was they minted. And then in September, they basically took their profits and then they left. Uh, I forgot how much money they left, but they left money in to operate. And then um, they stopped taking royalties like in like pretty much in September or something. And, and so they whatever trade volume stayed in the, the project wallet. And um, but it wasn't that much, to be honest. And we were running on fumes by the time they came in. So, OK, so it's um, like start for new fresh start. <laughs> It's like a fresh start. I mean, that's the other thing is like people see us like they have high expectations of us because of our pedigree. But um, we are still like mentally like trying to be the scrappy underdog startup and like be able to perform with limited resources, because I think that's what this market demands is for us to learn how to do that. Um, And then, you know, like as we as we grow, I'm sure like um, 
there will be more resources that we could tap into as we as we yeah sure need it, you know sure 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 yeah i mean yeah. the bear's really more for like surviving and showing that you're doing something right? i think it's the best time man <laughs> this build. is like to me i'm loving it like i <laughs> knew that this was going to happen like in 2021 because it's just too many people making money off of really shitty projects and it's just not sustainable like there's no industry where like like this happens right? survive for that long like, yeah that many like you you don't have like 20 hamburger joints where like cockroaches are running around and like coming out your burger and like falling yeah. apart at the seams like there's some standard that you have to live by and uh, i think the industry is was is so below that standard <laughs> so i think yeah um, so it's good for know. the space overall right that, that it's hey look this that's what a market correction is is like the weak get flushed out and if you had um kind of weak values and weak ethics and weak intentions then yeah it's it's easy to make that money when it's it's just people are just giving it out but when you have to earn that money that's when you got to show like your real colors you know and i think um so i love it man i fucking i'm glad like fucking you know i don't know if i could curse on this but yeah if you're like some shitty project that hired some like fiber artist to like take people's money and like made up like utility that you never intended on delivering like bye like like you don't deserve to be here like you're just literally embezzling people's money like like you know <laughs> what are we doing like who's oh. gonna be feel bad about some derivative not surviving like sure, you need sure, to, sure come with the the a game so so yeah. i love it i think this is a builder's paradise i think everybody that's left is like the people who truly believe in web3 and mm. you know i think um, so too yeah yeah so i'm i'm with you man i'm with you i'm loving it so okay so taking it back to the acquisition right and, mm -hmm. and we're gonna speak on the future real quick but so they acquired the the company or the, the brand i suppose and then you mm -hmm. you are officially named as the ceo right but you kind of been mm -hmm. running a lot of the I show technically that, right? was CEO before they acquired it. So what happened was the company wasn't even uh, incorporated, which is hilarious. Um, we, it's like crazy if you think about it. And then like finally incorporated and they needed to pick a CEO. So I got the job. And then, you know, I was lucky enough that they wanted to keep me on. It's funny when I asked, because I asked Wei, I was like, you know, I was like, why did you want to keep me? Because, uh, you know, I'm sure you could find like all sorts of people. And he just looked at me and he goes like, uh, spread your wings, little butterfly. <laughs> like he's like, just fly, you know. And I was like, oh my god! I was like, that's my guy right there. Like he definitely, uh, you know, supported me early on, and so I, I, I am very happy. You know, I think uh, it's a great honor, you know, to continue to serve the community that I fell in love with, that mm -hmm. I became responsible for, that I became part of, and we went through a lot together, and now we get to enjoy the good times together. So I kind of. Uh, I'm glad that I'm here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. So now, so now that you know all this acquisition is done, you're the officially the CEO. So like, what's the <laughs> what's the grand vision for Oni Force now? Like, what are you, what are you guys trying to do? That's a good question. I think we uh, we see a future where um, if you know, it's always about being like where the puck is headed, right? And so like you know, uh, anime is eventually going to become. I mean, it's already a worldwide thing right but it's growing in in every territory um generations are being raised on anime and then eventually nfts are going to have mass adoption so eventually all anime people will also have nfts, NFTs right? for yeah stuff. I and agree. so our goal is to be ahead of that curve we want to be 
there when those points meet. And we want to be the company that helped onboard a lot of those people that helped bring them to Web3. So we want to translate Web3 for Web2 so that we could bring in more people into Web3. And I think that if we um, just focus on that and... I mean, there's many ways to get there, but I'm just saying that's like probably the philosophical vision is like, that's where the money's going to be, you know, because like you have all that spending power and all that interest and generational spending power, you know, where it's like, if somebody really loves your brand, the brand outlives you, right? Like people are going to be spending money on Batman and Spider-Man and Naruto and Dragon Ball, like when we're like dust, you know, like the, there's going to have to be an apocalypse for like this stuff to stop like selling, you know what I mean? And so... I think for us, we want to be one of those brands that um, is like the first like um, uh, anime or Web3 project to actually be able to go into the mainstream as an IP. And then also as a Web3 company, like, again, bring those, be the bridge. And um, I think if we do those two things, we're going to be in pretty good yeah, shape. I hear you. You know what's crazy? Like um, the other month I visited America. And mm-hmm. uh, which, which, I, which is where I grew up. And I went to the mall, mm-hmm. just like regular mall, right? And in like hot topic and spencer's like these kind of like mainstream stores anime everywhere yeah like, literally everywhere i was like what everywhere it, it's finally it's like dude when i was a kid reading comic books was not cool like it wasn't even cool like in a not cool way it was just not cool right like when i was a little kid reading comics i'm like i'm never gonna have a girlfriend you know like it's like you're just like like a super nerd you know like you don't even talk to people about it and like if you like grow up it's like you're not gonna start talking about comics with people you're playing hoop with or something because it's like actually nerdy and it wasn't until like movies and stuff made it cool in pop culture and kids started growing up on it and i see the same exact pattern with anime because like even with like my niece and nephew it's like one of them loves anime and the other doesn't and one of them is like making the other fun uh, making fun of the other one for loving it but if you look around like so many kids love it and i'm like yeah, this is yeah. inevitable you know it's, it like, is like, like i really it really hit me when um <laughs> when i started noticing a lot of rappers use anime like metaphors yeah. right like juice world and stuff oh, like that totally yeah, once the young... actually cool people are like using like anime and stuff yeah. it's like um it's game over dude like you, you yeah, it's you, happening <laughs> it's yeah, just it's dude. just happening I mean, right dude michael b jordan one of the biggest yep. movie stars in the world has his own anime on netflix I oh mean, does he, he yeah he yeah. produced and was one of the voice actors i mean that says a lot right like it's uh israel adesanya you know the mma fighter he yeah. was one of our onikais and he's you know literally styles himself after avatar right yeah so yeah it's yeah like, even uh um, megan the stallion She's in the anime yeah. too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she got a lot of <laughs> yeah. She's like, who's gonna be my Dude, Sasuke and stuff? It's already over. Like, it's I'm calling the game right now. Like, anime is like grow is gonna be worldwide forever, and it's so like we just want to be there. Like when people, everybody else realizes it. You know? Yeah, true that, true that. And um, <laughs> one one thing I want to talk about is like you know because Oni is a is a Web three native brand, right? Like it was born mm-hmm. in Web three. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'm curious to know your perspective on like. A brand being born in web3 and then expanding mm-hmm. into the mainstream right yeah. versus like because technically somebody could also take the only art and just go web2 right but then there's right. different challenges to that so like, like right. what's your thought on being like a natively web3 brand? i think right now we have all the pain but in the future we're going to have all the advantage because if you look at the way even marketing had changed over time like 
you know, you have to be so much more authentic as a brand than you ever have before, right? Like to in Web2 to even build long-term relationships, like you do have to be good at being more authentic and people have a much um, lower threshold for BS, right? Like commercials are less effective. TikTok is more effective, like that kind of stuff. So you already see the trend in in the real world of being more authentic and there's nothing more authentic than actually building a community, <laughs> right? Like of like human beings that are part of your project that become the DNA. So I think Web3, building in Web3 will give you an edge because you're learning these soft skills as a company that like Web2 just doesn't understand, right? Because they would have to completely change their ethics and their overall values to match us, right? Because like some huge company like Activision, would have to all of a sudden be like, you know what would be cool if we started like paying our users back for playing the game, you know, in cash, you know, like they're not going to say that shit, you know, but Web3 companies are like, how do we build that into the game? You know, so it's like, I think um, the way that we have to integrate communities into the building of the project gives us an, a long term advantage. Um, also, our Web3 people are like pretty much like the earliest technology adopters of things, right? And like a lot of smart people, a lot of people thinking deeply about like all sorts of complex problems and how to solve them with this blockchain technology. And um, so all that just points to us like eventually having the edge because just like Netflix destroyed Blockbuster because Blockbuster just couldn't understand the philosophy of Netflix or why would people even want to stream, you know, like, why would that be a benefit? It's like, um, like I'll put it this way. Like if you look at the, the evolution of since the industrial age, every single phase from like the industrial age to like the first computers to like the first internet and then like web two and now web three, it's like each iteration, it actually, uh, trends towards being more open, more democratized, tools become cheaper and easier to implement. And the ethos becomes more and more like um, one, you know, like it becomes more about everybody included on a process. And so like, uh, Web3 is just the natural evolution. So I think I feel scared for Web2 companies that don't get it. Like, I think we're gonna, like, eventually, we're gonna like, start cleaning up shop, because like, you see like with Web2 brands, when they try and come into Web3, like a lot of times they fumble because they think like their Web2 marketing tactics are going to work. And it's like, they totally miss because they don't have the values. It all comes down to values. It's like they don't actually care about their customers as much as uh, we do because we don't call our people customers. We call them community. We call them holders, right? Like even the words we use have meaning versus like to them, it's like audience, customer, client. It's like things that, there's a barrier in between the relationships. So it's like, um, so I think I actually firmly believe that it's like all wars are ideology and culture wars. And so like in a war between like a web two generational company and a web three generational company, like web three is going to win eventually because our values are just superior, you know? Yeah. Cause it looks out for the end person. And we go is, faster, yeah. dude. Like you oh. have the mentality of like everything's 24 seven, like you're not going to hit, you know, from the tech world, there's like, there's like a culture in, or there especially was, I'd say before, like a culture in the tech world. It's like you show up at 11, you leave at five, you know, you get like free beer and free candy and free food. And, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good today. I'm just going to take the day off and you should still pay me and stuff. 
And then Web3 mentality is like, oh, I'm going to be online 24-7, seven days a week. And like, whatever you need, like, I'm on top of it, you know? And it's like, so people try and knock like young people, but actually like, you can't knock young people in Web3 because they're like the most hardcore hustlers, dude. Like, you cannot fade Web3 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get it. I and we're de degenerates, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. It's part of it, right? Part of I mean, it. this space matures over time and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, it will be less degenerate over time, but yeah, enjoy but it while it lasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, like, back, back to, like, IP and stuff, right? So, for yeah. only, like, you know, like... And do you guys want to do like an anime, like a, a manga? Like those are things that you like publicly said yet or? Yeah, I think um, that's the holy grail for us. I think there's a lot of projects that have said similar things. But for us in particular, it is very meaningful. Like every time I'm in a Barnes & Noble, I just stare at the ma uh, manga rack and I just can't wait for our manga to be like on the wall, you know? And same thing is like, I want our version of Arcane or um, Edge Runners or something, right? Like we want like a legit show. And until we get that, I don't think we're going to be um, slowing down, you know? Like we're just going to like keep pushing for that future. Um, and it'll take time because I think what people don't always understand is those things are actually hard to get done. Like they're very difficult. So, um, so it's not a given, but I do think we have the most IP ready brand, um, for that sort of thing. Um, I would say Azuki qualifies too. They, they pretty much could do whatever they want. I think they've done a really good job of positioning themselves as like a very open brand. So they could do the anime, they could do the comic books, they could do you know, clothing, whatever they want. And so, um, but for us in particular, like we care the most about getting comic books, manga and anime. Um, oh, you know, the media the side, term. I see. I, yeah. And also as a business strategy, it's, it's a business model because um, comic books are actually the cheapest way to launch an IP. There's a ton of like independent publishers and stuff that have sprouted up in the past, like five years where literally their entire business model is to just, um, launch comic books and then uh, like immediately get them adapted because the thirst for content from uh, all the streaming platforms has led to greater opportunities than ever for that. So, yeah. so, that's so there is a the precedent. IP, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to follow that and lead with the comics and then let that create more opportunity for us. And, um, you know, we want to be the first Web3 brand that's actually distributed worldwide in comic book stores. So any kid walking into a comic book store will be able to get exposure to us. And I think what I learned as a lifelong comic book fan is like, all you need is, um, I mean, it's not easy, but all you need is great art and great storytelling. And if you have those two things, you have a fair shot, actually. Like you have a real fair shot, like uh, there's a brand, or there's an independent comic called Something is Killing the Children. It's like sold like 2 million copies. It's like being adapted for Netflix. Um, like, you know, like uh, there's so many examples. I mean, Mark Millar, who who did Wanted and Kick-Ass, like sold his whole catalog to Netflix and made all of his like artists millionaires. And, you know, like I think there's a precedent. It doesn't mean it's easy, but um, it's see. still core to us, you know. Got you. So, so I guess the monetization would be the ability to create a good product which might be a comic or the rights to an ip to create like maybe a show or something is that like 
That's not, that's the, okay. So that's the IP development part. I don't yeah. think of that as good monetization because okay. it's so hard to do. And it's yeah. like selling comic books, actually, you have to sell a lot to make. Yeah. Is the, mar- the margin are thin, right? On the comic books? Oh, it's like, yeah, dude, a comic book is like, um, $4 or something. Like how many, <laughs> like how many you got to sell to like, <laughs> yeah, to make a million. Yeah. 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 Sure. So it, that was never, I think. The challenge here, and this is what make Web3's companies very interesting, is like you have to fight different battles at the same time. So one battle is like developing the IP properly in a way that could have long-term value, which is a long game. And in the short term, we have to consistently deliver value to holders because they are the lifeblood of the company itself. And so, you know, our goal is... Um, I mean, luckily, because of the team that that acquired us and the resources we have, I'd say in the first year, it's like, we don't have to worry about like, oh, how much revenue are we making? Like, we still have to build the models so that the revenue can come in and be sensible. But we have a bit of a luxury where like, literally, our mandate is to just like, get those first like 10,000 true fans, right? Like, just get like, the fans that really love what's happening, which means we actually get to focus on doing what we do best, which is the art and the storytelling and like the community, right? Like, that's, that's that's the product actually is is happiness <laughs> that happiness, makes sense, happiness right? in like, a bottle yeah like fun is a utility i always tell people that if we could make like the most amazing experience for people where they just love being part of it like that's step one like if you can nail that and you start scaling it usually revenue opportunities just present themselves yeah because you. you have the community right? to do any yeah correct and so i think we're going to focus on that and then on the other hand though we do need to um get revenue in consistently and have it be more predictable. And so I think the biggest thing we're going to innovate here is um, the actual business model itself, because uh, what I learned is that, well, okay, here's how I would say is like phase one of NFTs or act one was selling JPEGs with a promise. You like slaying like somebody a JPEG and you're like, oh, like I promise you we'll do something with it. Like just trust us. Right. And and we saw how that worked out. And now I'm, I've am i kind of reimagined NFTs as like a new franchise tag. So now what we're saying is like, when you own a own PFP, you now have the right to do business with us. So if you're an operator and you want to create a brand, um, like you look at Bored Apes and how they have people doing coffee companies and burger joints and all that stuff. It's like, if you want to develop something with our IP, um, not only will we support you, but we'll have like an actual platform for you so you could get access to our resources and stuff. So we give holders <clears throat> a better chance at being successful at what they already do, you know? Um, and I think that's, it's still also like a medium to long-term play, you know, but, um, but we're not looking for like some silver bullet or like quick fixes. Like we want to build stuff that will work in the long term. And I, I think the challenge, like what I look at with like, right now is like it's a wild west where like holders are left to themselves to develop and it causes problems it could dilute the brand in the future too so i think it makes more sense for us to actually provide sort uh, resources like in the form of marketing or assets or guidance or you know um distribution all that stuff um and then we can make it turnkey so like you could keep stacking um elements that work in web 2 and then reconfiguring in web 3 Right. Like I'll give you an example. Like, let's say you have our comic books. Right. And so what we would do is like in com- in the comic book world, the usually the first printing of the first issue of any series could potentially be worth something. Right. It's a historical moment. And first printings in general are worth more. And so um, imagine like, for instance, in this scenario where 
as a holder, you have the exclusive right to order as many first prints as you want. So you set the actual um, print uh, run for that comic. The comic book stores actually only get uh, the second printing and up. So they don't get the first printing unless they hold. So now we're giving the utility to the holders. And they actually become online resellers for you where you could even combine a drop shipping model where like um, they could buy the NFTs and they don't even have to hold the stock. Like we can still hold it for them. And then all they have to do is like they could sell those NFTs or redeem them or they sell it and somebody else redeems it. And then we just ship the comic to whoever redeems it and then send the royalty over to the um, reseller, right? So so now the holder can actually determine supply, scarcity, like can put their own resources as affiliate marketers to do marketing for the brand. And then we can create a system where the money just goes back to them for doing that work. Um, so I think that's why I'm saying it's like really important to figure out how to, you know, innovate's like such an overused word. So I, maybe I shouldn't use that so much, but it is like, it's a improvement on what exists, right? So it's like, um, I think we're going to constantly think about how to do things like that and bring more real world web two benefits into our web three holders. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I mean, nobody has like fully figured out how to, you know, do that for an NFT project, right? So I understand. Yeah. It's all an experiment at the end of it's the day. It's all right? an experiment. You're totally right. That's yeah. how I see yeah. it. Like, um, and that's yeah. just the theory, right? Like, it's like, we want to, I think it's like any business thing where it's like, if you see pain in the market and you can figure out how to fix that pain, then, then you can make money, right? So yeah, that's creating value, right? Exactly. Solving problems. Yeah. So I think yeah, yeah. even coming down to like those holders where they want, might want their IP to, to be used for something, but they don't want to do the work. So then we could just make it really easy for them to just go through a licensing program and they could just let us license their character and then we do all the work for them and they still get paid for it right like yeah yeah i yeah. think um uh, yeah i mean there's there's models to experiment with because like i mean I, I thought about this as too just like in general mm -hmm. it's like you know let's say somebody wants to license their nft to a brand but then the brand could be like you know what i'm just gonna buy a bunch on the floor instead <laughs> so it's like it's <laughs> right because yeah. like yeah so there's always like these i mean there's no clear answer of like there's how to do it but yeah I, mean, I appreciate people trying oh yeah and we're all learning the hard way because i've had talks with different hollywood producers and for instance one didn't like the idea of having to give like a hundred checks every month to like or every quarter to like a hundred different holders right like that sounds like a nightmare and then there's like another one that they really embraced that idea where they thought it was cool to like have like the first ip that was like crowdsourced or community sourced and so like what I like to say is like we live in a web like we live by web three values, but we're still wrapped in a web two world. So like we're like trying to like translate all these things back and forth. And that's where the a lot of the pain is, because most project founders have never even had to operate like like a big a brand. Yeah, business and so <laughs> like, business in general. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, yeah, they never even operated business. So it's like there's like so many things you have to know to even operate a successful business that then you add the fact that we're in a like a un like defined industry with no rules and no guidance and no like like playbook to follow it's mayhem <laughs> it's yeah yeah mayhem. it's not it, yeah it's not easy oh, what, do you, yeah. what do you think of this idea mm. like when i when i look at um like anime and ip right mm -hmm. from my understanding it's like the anime in general is really just advertisement to sell products 100 like, kind of like how 100%. right like the pokemon red free. and blue games you get it for free yeah, 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 yeah. You see it on TV. Yeah. They're like, oh, then I want to be a Pokemon trainer too exactly. and catch them all. So I'm going to buy the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, Bro, like, how do you, how do you think I, about I that? Right? Picked yeah, this up off the street earlier because I just saw it <laughs> on the ground and I was like, oh, Pokemon. Um, I think um, I think it's the same thing. I think if the it, here's the thing is like the average anime fan does not have hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars to spend on a digital product, right? Like um, NFTs are actually a luxury uh, product if you think about it, and so we want to bring down the price point to our fans like in web two to a point where it is free like Pokemon mm-hmm. or Naruto or something, because that loyalty is what sells the product. It's the falling in love with the the story and the characters and you have to lower the barrier of entry to zero. And, and so I think ideally eventually we would, um, uh, you know, and again, comic books are like a low price point. So it's easy for them to get in. So, you know, um, you can stuff free NFTs in the comic books. You can like find ways to get, uh, like give access to a new whole new audience of people. Um, and yeah, that's why we want to do like anime and all that. Cause that will expose us to a wider audience. Um, so yeah, anime is totally the commercial for the card game or the, for, for everything, literally right? everything, yeah. the t-shirt, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you have a community and then you have like some way to advertise it with IP mm-hmm. then actually you can create anything, whether it's a toy clothes, maybe the characters in a game, like a mobile game or something like that. Oh, totally dude. Like what I realized, what web three made me realize is we are an avatar species. So we actually filter our reality through the, um, like the content that we consume and like we step into the characters we like like we buy the stuff because we identify with them somehow and like i think um you know like for instance everybody knows the saying like with great power comes great responsibility right so you have a fictional character giving real values to real people that actually affect their lives how they conduct themselves like the choices they make um you know how they develop their personality and i think web3 can take that to the next level where it's even more personalized so that like, for instance, like in my ideal world, you know, Oni Force is not just entertainment, but it's like actually improving people's lives. Cause like, let's say you're, um, battling, um, a bad guy and the bad guy represents like depression. And then through that game experience or whatever experience, um, you learn skills to even deal with depression. Right. Like there's ways you can actually directly use technology and personalization to like actually positively impact people's um, like mental well-being and their like inner strength and stuff. So it's like taking what a show does, like a Pokemon or something does naturally, like through the human spirit, but like using technology to to enhance it, you know, Mm, that's that's quite interesting. Right. Because I agree that media does directly influence a person's behavior 100%. even like like listening to rap music totally. you'll be like oh i'm gonna treat these people in a certain oh, way yeah. or like totally. yeah yeah dude i grew yeah, up so in you... oakland so <laughs> you know there was a time period in high school where i was like thought i was living that life you know i was like i wasn't i was like grew up living in the hills life. you know i wasn't like that kid you know but i thought i was and so you know it's like all the media i consumed at that time was just all the same message and you know, we're just sponges, you know, we, we don't, it's almost like we barely have personalities, dude. We're just like a collection of things. <laughs> like, mm. you know, it's like 
everywhere yeah, we go, yeah, it's yeah. a collection of the stuff we consume, the people that influence us, the community we live in, like that literally becomes our identity. We call it an identity, but it's just like a collection of inputs. <laughs> mm, that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of true. So then for Oni, like, is there like a, a philosophy or like mission that you're trying to like instill or like, you know, I think for as a brand, it's to create the most personalized storytelling experiences ever made the the best, like most entertaining, most personalized stories um, based on like a really strong IP. My personal mission is to uh, and to and as a brand is to make it a home for artists and creators. But um, I think my personal mission is to and this sounds crazy, but eventually lead to a world where we have our own ecosystem that allows artists and community members like to thrive, to actually have, and this is part probably where it gets crazy, is like, I, I call it a layer two society. So it's basically like a society that lives on top of the existing one without anybody's permission, but like uses crypto and blockchain technology and the ethos of Web3 to eventually be self-sustaining where it's like you don't need to rely on the government to provide healthcare or UBI or benefits. It's like we could literally build our own ecosystem, you know? And so I think um, I realized the other day, I think the next world's richest man won't start a business. They're going to start like a society. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like on top like, of the normal society. Yeah, like, it's like it's going to be the next level. It's going to be like a global community that will basically give them support no matter what right because they get something back for it and so like you know um it's a little lofty and crazy and and you know i'm just it has nothing to do with the business right now i'm just saying like these are like to me these are like the seeds of testing out that sort of stuff and so i think i would like only force to be part of that change is like to help move the space forward um because not just about us as a brand being successful but it's like literally the identity of this baby is like being formed with the dna of the projects in it so we should be like as positive an influence and like give as much like um development to the actual web3 community as a whole as we can so we want to um set new values and standards and i think we want to try and um you know like be be a what I call a net positive, <laughs> just try to be a net positive on this industry and the people in it. Um, yeah, I kind of rambled there. That. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, no, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people in, in crypto, especially like people who are the OGs, like they had like this, this very, uh, you know, lofty, not lofty is not the right word, but like a different viewpoint of how society should be. Right. That's yeah. why they all like bought Bitcoin and everything. Yeah, no, really. I mean, the values, again, it goes down to values, the values of people in crypto at its best, right? Uh, like when people really mean it, um, it's much better. It's actually altruistic. I think it's, it's about people finally having like the freedom and the life that they deserve, right? As humans, I think the pandemic exposed to us that like the world kind of is hard and like the government's not really taking care of you. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to look out for yourself at the end of the day. And so I think web three is like, we could look out for each other, you know? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that we're going to wrap up our interview, um, <laughs> yeah. and, um, is there any final words you have for our audience over here? Um, I, I really appreciate anybody that tuned into this. If you're thinking about money force about, checking us out i could say if you really like art uh, great art and great storytelling and and really like just good 
positive people, you know, I think we're definitely the community for that. Again, fun is a utility. So if you want to have like the best time of your life, like just come on down and check us out. Like we're going to try and surprise and delight you in the next like, you know, six months or something. I think people are going to really be happy. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> well, Star Lordy, appreciate you coming on the Parallax show. Thank you. I'll see you. I love yeah, I'll see it. you. Thank you.